This week on Geek Explained, to get you prepped for the release of Batman Superman This Week by Joshua Williamson and David Marquez, we're going to count down the top five stories starring the world's greatest detective and the last son of Krypton. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we geek explain it. I'm your host, Eric Kazana, and today's episode we're counting down some of the top stories ever to feature team-ups between DC's heavy hitters. We're talking Batman and Superman. And why, you ask? Because the comic Batman Superman is being released this week, as of this recording, and I wanted to talk about some of my favorite stories starring the Cape Crusader and the Man of Tomorrow. I love Batman Superman stories. They are some of my favorite uh, just team-up stories in general, because these are guys who could not be more opposite, both in kind of their worldview as well as uh, their style of crime fighting. So we're going to be counting down the top five stories starring the team-ups between uh, basically the two leaders of the Justice League. Uh, we've also got this week's weekly review, reviewing episode three of The Boys, and of course this week's comics countdown. But for now, before we get to all of that, let's jump over to this week's news. All right, guys and gals, let's talk about the news. We've got some, we've got actually a lot of news to talk about this week. Um, I figured we would, but uh, even more stuff ended up happening, so uh, we're going to start off comic news. We actually had no comic news this week. Uh, I was a little disappointed, but that's okay. We got plenty of other news to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about miscellaneous news here, uh, starting off with Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, they finally announced their DLC for their season pass, and they have announced the uh, DLC characters who will be uh, coming to the game for those of you who are uh, Mortal Kombat 11 fans. First up, of course, we have Shang Tsung, who I believe is already out. We also have Nightwolf, one of, I think, the more uh, underappreciated Mortal Kombat characters. We have Queen Sindel, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, we also have Spawn. That's right, Spawn is coming to Mortal Kombat, so be excited for that. And then finally, we have the Joker. I think a lot of people figured that this was going to be the case, that the Joker was going to show up here, um, especially because NetherRealm worked on both of the Injustice games. But I like that he's he doesn't seem like he's just a complete re... just a total reskin of the uh, Injustice Joker. He looks different. He looks like he has a different feel to him. So... Um, I personally am not a Mortal Kombat player. I'm not somebody who uh, religiously picks up the installments every year just because I am awful at those games. But if you're a fan of these uh, of these games, I think this is definitely something that you can be and should be excited for. And then uh, also, it was D23 this week, so we have tons 
tons of D23 news. Um, before we get into that, let's talk about uh, TV news, some quick TV stuff. Um, first off, Ray Palmer is officially leaving Legends of Tomorrow, uh, I want to say after this season. Uh, it's really interesting because Brandon Routh has been uh, fairly active on social media when it comes to this stuff, just thanking the fans, thanking everyone who is involved. But it it seems like, especially from some of the comments that he's made, it wasn't his choice. Like, he's being written off. Um, it's not something that he decided to leave. It's something that the writers or the producers or whoever decided they want him off the show. I think that's really strange, uh, especially since Brandon Routh seems to me like the most pleasant, happy guy uh around just in general so um i'm interested to see if there's any more developing news about this or not uh he did say he basically said along the lines of i'm paraphrasing obviously he said i thought that there were a lot more stories with ray to tell but the writers are going a different way so i'm thankful for the time that i had which seems to me like this wasn't something that he decided so we will see uh more stuff about that later and then I'm trying to look if there's any other stuff that is non-D23 through my notes right now. Um, we'll jump over to film news. Uh, quick two or three, four, four film things real quick. And then we'll get into all of the news that was covered at uh, D23. First of all. Big news, I think this is really exciting, Nathan Fillion, who most people know as uh, Captain Mal from Firefly, um, also known as uh, Captain Hammer from the uh, Dr. Horribles, um, Dr. Horribles, why did I say it like that, from Dr. Horrible, um, and just all around incredible, incredible man, uh, has joined James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really exciting, especially because a lot of people, including myself, always fan cast Nathan Fillion as Hal Jordan, whether it was Hal Jordan in his prime, an older Hal Jordan. Um, I've always thought that he would be the perfect person to play a live-action Hal Jordan. Uh, and he's actually played Hal Jordan a number of times uh, in the world of voiceover. So I think this is really exciting. I'm not sure exactly who he's going to play. I would love it if he played like a washed-up Hal Jordan or something, but I'm sure that that's not the case. Uh, be, you know, interestingly enough, he was supposed to have a just small cameo role in uh, James Gunn's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He was supposed to play Wonder Man, who is in his like day-to-day -day life an actor. And I think it would be really cool if he ended up playing another actor, but this time from the DC Universe, that being Basil Carlo Clayface. I think that would be super, super cool. Um, but we'll just see. We'll, ha we'll have to see what ends up coming from that. Uh, we also got a huge announcement that's that the Matrix series is going to be getting a fourth installment. Uh, just like Toy Story, I think they should have just ended it at three. I don't know why they're bringing it back how many years later, but um, hopefully it can do what uh, Toy Story 4 did for me, which was pleasantly surprised and uh, convinced me why they needed to tell that story. So uh, they have confirmed that uh, Lana Wachowski is going to be directing and both... Um, 
Neo and Trinity will be returning for this. The Keanu Sans continues. I'm really excited about this. This should be pretty good. Uh, next up, Uncharted. Less, uh, less exciting news. The film adaptation of the Uncharted series, which has been struggling to get off the ground since its inception, uh, just took another blow in that it lost its director. This is now the fourth, I believe, the fourth director who has walked out on the project citing creative differences. Um, it sucks because uh, Tom Holland was cast as a young Nathan Drake, and I'm sure he would grow up with the role just like he's supposed to grow up with Spider-Man. Um, but this sucks, especially because I am a fan of the Uncharted games. I've always been kind of uh, not sure about bringing it to the film medium, but um, it looks like studios aren't sure of it either. So uh, we will find out exactly what happens there. Um, what else here? And then finally, uh, for non-Disney film news, uh, Black Adam, which is the Shazam sequel prequel, technically, I guess, um, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, officially has confirmed that it is going to be beginning filming in January of 2020. Uh, that, to me, says probably a uh, summer 2021 release date, or at the very earliest, which I think would be way too soon, uh, December of 2020 release date, but we'll see what happens. Um, a lot of people are really cautiously optimistic about this, myself included, and we will just have to see where exactly this film goes. But with all of that out of the way, let's talk D23. D23 this was this past weekend, and they dropped bombshell after bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Um, I think it's really cool that they decided to release all of this news, but it's a lot to cover, and I'm surprised that at some at something that I don't think was as easily accessible to the general public uh, to drop all this kind of news on. I think it's a weird choice, but I'm happy that all the news got out the way that it did, and we are able to talk about it here. Hold on one second. Oh, okay. So before we get into that, I'm just... I looked at my phone just now. Apparently, we just uh, got the official trailer for Titans Season 2. Uh, apparently, that just dropped as I'm recording this episode right now. Um, I haven't watched it. Should I watch it? I think I'm going to watch it. Okay, so I'm going to watch it here... Um, if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to watch this trailer. I've never done this before. I don't know how this is going to go. It's probably going to end up horrible in the way that it's translated to you, the listener. But I am going to watch this right now. Let's put this up and I will give you my immediate reactions and uh, stuff of that nature. Okay. Ooh. Okay, so we're seeing a lot of people in this... Oh, this is just the... Okay, so one thing that trailers have been doing a lot lately is they've been doing these, like, 10-second teasers, and it's like, okay, but I don't want to watch that. Anyway. Um, okay. Oh. So Hawk and Dove's gonna split up. Donna Troy? I, I really like Donna Troy from Season 1. This guy... 
looks like they were really trying to make Aqualad look like he could be Jason Momoa's sidekick, but he seems stiff. Is that the tower? Ooh, they're going to the tower. Jason Todd, I will say, was a huge bright spot in season one, so I'm excited to see him there. It looks like getting the reveal. There's Bruce Wayne. I don't know if he's tr even trying to hide his accent. Because he's supposed to be American, but I don't know. Maybe that's a choice. Finally getting some Starfire. That last teaser trailer didn't show her at all. Shimmer. Okay, cool. More uh, Wonder Girl and Starfire team-ups. That's awesome. Superboy and Crypto. Love that. Rose Wilson, Ravager. Okay. I'm excited. I like that character. It looks like she's training with them. So maybe she's going to be the Judas contract character instead of Terra. I don't know who that is. Okay, that's our first look at Slade Wilson outside of the... Okay, so it looks like... Hmm. Okay, so, uh, a couple thoughts. Um, I like where they're going with this. It seems like they're really kind of upping the production value, which is great. Uh, the costumes look great. I like that we're getting more face time with all the Titans. Uh, it doesn't look like we're seeing any of Aqualad outside of what I'm assuming or flashbacks. So maybe he died. But... Um, it also seems like the Titans used to be a thing, and then maybe they ran across Deathstroke. Deathstroke maybe killed Aqualad, and then they disbanded, and now they're coming back to the Tower, which seems to have been there for a while. Deathstroke's coming back, and um, things are gonna things are gonna go badly. So that looks interesting. Um, but again, I have to reiterate, I wasn't the biggest fan of season one. I think season two has a lot to prove, so we'll see if it ends up reaching that bar. But anyway, uh, thanks for, I guess, tuning in with me to this trailer. I don't know. I've never done, like, a watch-along thing before, so that was interesting. I guess I did a watch-along for last year for the Halloween special. But um, anyway, so jumping into D23 news, um, they released a lot of stuff, so I'm just going to kind of take it as I've written it down in uh in my notes so starting off um avengers campus at disneyland so this is the long-awaited marvel land that uh we've all been anticipating after uh the success question mark of galaxy's edge um if it seems like apparently according to reports that the uh sales haven't been exactly where disney hoped but um I know they'll be up with Marvel. Um, apparently, this is supposed to be set up as like a uh, Avengers training camp, uh, basically set up at different Disney uh, parks around the world. And you'll get stuff where it's like training with Spider-Man. You'll get like an Iron Man exhibit, um, all this kind of stuff that you can walk around and really immerse yourself in. Uh, they're going to be building off of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, 
mission breakout ride that's already there that replaced the tower of terror so i'm excited if they put as much thought into it as they put into the guardians ride then i am there for sure uh next up let's talk about let's go to uh film news so they announced black panther 2 officially for phase uh, I'm assuming Phase 5, but uh, we do know that Ryan Coogler will be returning to direct and that the film will be coming out, I want to say it said May 7th, May 6th or 7th of 2022. So that is outside of Phase 4. We are officially talking about Phase 5 stuff before Phase 4 has even started, which seems much more like the Kevin Feige we all know and love, so I am really excited about that. Uh, we also got the first look for the uh, Cruella film from Disney. They're doing it kind of like the uh, the Maleficent films, but with Cruella DeVille doing like a prequel film uh, starring Emma Stone. And I'm not gonna lie, guys, I've... I will say that... Uh, 101 Dalmatians was one of the very first Disney movies I ever saw as a child, but I've never been a huge down 101 Dalmatians uh, guy, but I might turn up for this. Uh, this looks really interesting, just the initial look that we got. Uh, Emma Stone looks amazing as Cruella DeVille, as a young Cruella DeVille, and both of her uh, compatriots, who uh, you will recognize as younger versions of her henchmen from the original film, uh, look pretty cool too. So I'm excited, looking forward to that for sure. Uh, next up, we got Raya and the Last Dragon, which was a, uh, a film announced that is going to be starring Aquafina. Aquafina, big, uh, big time here with the uh, Asian representation cannot be more excited about that um and this looks like they're really like going to be touching on a lot of um representation when it comes to their animated films now i think moana really kind of kicked off that revolution for it and not only are we getting that but we also got the first look at soul which is going to be a uh Jamie Foxx-led animated film looking at uh, jazz and all that stuff. So I'm really excited about both of those films as well. Um, and then big uh, big news for Marvel Phase, uh, Phase 4, which is Kit Harington has officially joined Eternals. I was really worried, I'm not going to lie, when they announced that uh, Kit Harington was joining the MCU because if there was anybody who I looked at as kind of a free agent actor who could be brought in for the role of Wolverine. It was probably Kit Harington, but I can breathe a sigh of relief and know that there are there's still time. There's still time. But I'm really excited for him. He is going to be joining the Eternals film along with Gemma Chan. Uh, she is going to be playing the lead, Cersei, and he is going to be playing the Black Knight. I'm really excited about this. I think it's hilarious that he jumped from playing a, uh, a member of the Night's Watch in Game of Thrones into playing another dark, brooding character who is a knight. I think that's hilarious, but the Black Knight is a pretty cool character in his own right, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to it, or if he just plays, you know, uh, Jon Snow with an American accent. We'll see. But the big winners here were Disney Plus and... TV this week, and I'm going to be talking about all of that right now. So first up, I've got uh, some mini news for The Mandalorian. Ming-Na Wen, who uh, 
is just incredible. She was the original voice of Mulan in uh, the original animated Disney Mulan, and she was also uh, Agent May in Agent of Sh- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's an incredible actress. Uh, she has joined The Mandalorian, which dropped its first big trailer. Trailer looks fantastic. The world looks amazing. The world building looks fantastic, and everything that you would expect from a John Favreau joint. Um, I'm excited. The trailer looks fantastic. We got some really cool looking imagery with like the uh, stormtrooper heads on pikes. Uh, this is going to be something different in the in the Star Wars vein, and I think if they can lean more towards Rogue One, towards that kind of vibe, that kind of feel, I will definitely be all for that. Uh, we also got to see. Um, I'm just going to talk about it. So uh, I, I was going to save it till closer to the end, but I want to talk about it here because we already talked about Star Wars. Uh, Ewan McGregor joined. Um, joined. I want to say it was Kathy something. I, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. But she's like the creative director of the Kevin Feige for uh, Star Wars. Um, Ewan McGregor joined her on stage, and I have played this clip more times than I can count. Uh, but he looks at her and he says, ask me the question, ask me, am I going to be playing Obi-Wan in the new Disney plus series? And she asked him and he just takes a deep breath and goes, yes. And just the crowd erupts. So Ewan McGregor is officially, we knew that there was rumors, all this stuff. We knew that the show was coming, but it wasn't confirmed whether it was going to be Ewan McGregor or not. He has done nothing, if not age into this role, which I'm assuming is going to be placed between uh, episode three and episode four. Um, But he's officially confirmed. He is going to be the lead. He is going to be Obi-Wan once again. He will ride one last time as Master Kenobi, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for this. Um, If you weren't already on the Disney Plus uh, bandwagon for this, I think this, for a lot of people, is what brought them on. So I cannot wait. This is really, really exciting. On the Marvel side, we got lots of news for that. Um, First off, posters. We got posters for uh, three of the properties coming out of Phase 4. We got a poster for uh, Black Widow, which looked fantastic. Uh, I really like that they're finally giving her the gold gauntlets from the comics. Uh, We also got a poster for WandaVision, which I think looks incredible. It has a really uh, 50s 50s vibe with uh, Wanda and Vision sitting in basically like a living room in front of the TV, having a really like, yeah, kind of moment like you would see in those old shows. And everything's just not right around them. Like there's color in their immediate vicinity. But if you look a little bit further to the left, a little bit further to the right, it's all in black and white. And then cast on their shadows behind them, you can see their hero forms. And here they're very much um, dressed in old school 50s sitcom attire but in the back you see the shadow of vision with his uh mind stone glowing and you see a shadow of scarlet witch with her classic headpiece so i'm really excited that looks really good but the big one for me was the poster for falcon and the winter soldier which showed two very different and very new distinct looks for our two leads falcon is rocking his new maybe captain america costume he said on the uh, 
little press junkets during D23 that he's going to stay Falcon and he's not going to be Captain America. I don't know if that's just for the show or if that's going to be going forward. Um, time will tell, I guess. But he's got the red, he's got the white. It looks like he has either like a navy blue or black component to his costume too. So that's really exciting. He looks really, really good. And then next to him with the biggest visual change, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, the White Wolf, uh, finally got himself a haircut and a shave. So he is looking more like Sebastian Stan, more like the first Avenger Bucky, which I think for me is still the time when I kind of liked him the most in the role when he had more of a... I don't want to say more of a personality because he has plenty of personality, but he was able to show off a little bit more. Uh, he was cocky. He was um, really he could um, he could quip a little bit. I liked that, so I'm hoping we see a little bit more of that here. But he's looking fresh. Got a clean cut. He's still got his uh, vibranium arm, and he's got a new suit as well. And as I said on my Instagram, I think I found my next cosplay that I'm going to be doing, and it's got to be this version of Bucky. He looked really, really good, and the posters, all three of the posters, looked fantastic. But... We got an announcement that U.S. Agent is going to be joining the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, show, and I could not be more excited. I love the U.S. Agent as a character. Uh, John Walker is one of the most interesting characters in the Captain America rogues gallery, so I'm really excited to see where he they go with that character. And uh, it's he's being played by the, um, the lead from Overlord. Let me check, look this up real quick. I'm going to vamp while I look up this uh, actor. I'm typing, I'm looking. Um, da, 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 da. He is being... Oh, I guess he was also um, in Black Mirror. Uh, the actor's name is... Wyatt Russell. So Wyatt Russell, um, I think is... A really, I don't want to say he's completely unknown, but he's a lesser known actor. So I like that they're bringing him in for this and allowing him to kind of play. I like that, and I'm excited to see how they use that character in this show. Uh, we also got the very first look at and more info for Marvel What If, which is the kind of anthology series, the first animated MCU uh, project that's going to be on Disney Plus, bringing back all kinds of uh, actors who played these roles. Uh, we got the first look at the debut episode, which is if Agent Carter, if Peggy Carter took the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers. It also might apparently show Steve Rogers becoming somewhat of a uh, World War II era Iron Man. His armor, quote-unquote, being built by Howard Stark, I think is really cool. I like that idea. And we also got confirmation that there will be 23 episodes, and that each episode will be a what-if scenario for each film in the MCU. So, we're going to get a first Avenger episode, which I think is going to be this one. We're going to get a Thor episode. We're going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy episode. So, I'm looking forward to this. It looks really cool, and there's a lot of narrative potential with this show. Uh, but the big news for Disney+, Plus, the big news for Marvel, at least for me, was that we're getting three more shows, and they are all going to be part of Phase 4. I thought initially when they were announced that they were going to be held off until Phase 5, but no, ladies and gentlemen, these are all going to be part of Phase 4, and these three shows are Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, 
and motherfucking Moon Knight. I am so excited about Moon Knight. I'm excited about all three of these, but Moon Knight is a character who I have adored for a long, 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 long time. You need to pick up every single Moon Knight book that you that you can get your hands on because he is an incredible character who is worth being put in the MCU and I'm so excited they're finally doing that for him. Um, just, oh my god, I'm so excited. Um, if you would like to see a Moon Knight episode where I break down the character, give you some recommended reading, feel free to let me know on either of our social media, at Pod. that's at P-O-D on Twitter or Instagram, or through email, because I'm an old man, I still read emails, to geeksplained at gmail.com. I would love to do an episode on Moon Knight, please let me know if you want to hear that as well. Um, but yeah, these are really exciting, this is really exciting news, uh, I cannot wait, I cannot wait for all this stuff uh they already had my money for disney plus but now they're 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 gonna be getting more of it for sure so um i'm really excited about it i would love to know what you all think of the news as well um this is this is just huge this is big stuff uh phase four and beyond is going to be very different just from the overall feel um really everything that goes into what it is uh, as opposed to what the first three phases were. So I would love to know what you think of all this news. I would love to know what you thought of the uh, Phase 4 stuff, of the Star Wars stuff that was released. Let me know what you thought of the Titans trailer that I just watched. Um, feel free to let me know. I would love to have that conversation with you folks. But for now, with all the news out of the way, let's jump into the main course, the entree, if you will, of this episode, which is is my top five stories starring Batman and Superman. When it comes to superhero team-ups, we've seen all kinds. We've seen The Flash and Green Lantern. We've seen Captain America and Iron Man. They're basically a dime a dozen nowadays. Uh, one of the biggest uh, franchises in the superhero game, Spider-Man, recently, in recent years since his introduction to the MCU, has kind of been characterized by his team-ups with Iron Man. But when you talk about superhero team-ups, what the most iconic and I think just greatest when it comes to narrative and it comes to character potential, when you talk about the best uh, superhero team-ups, it's always 
Batman and Superman. Because these two characters who were created within a year of each other really represent the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to superheroics. One's light, one's dark. One's human, one's superhuman. Like, you look at characters like this and you look at the stories that they inhabit and sometimes it's easy to forget especially in uh, properties that have starred these characters that they inhabit the same kind of world like you look at a game like batman arkham asylum and you kind of forget that superman also exists in this world especially when you uh, make your way into arkham knight and you see billboards for metropolis you get a voicemail from lex luthor and you see all of these uh hints towards the other heroes without them explicitly crossing paths and when you see instances where they do team up for me you really get to see what makes these characters tick and why they're so great and why they've lasted why they've stood the test of time as characters and you see what makes them different but what also makes them the same so i wanted to talk about the top five stories that team up these two iconic characters because for those of you who don't know uh they're getting a book again the comic batman superman is being released this week as of this recording being written by joshua williamson with art by dave marquez i am so excited about dave marquez finally coming to the dc universe he's one of the greatest uh comic artists to have exclusively to my knowledge stayed within the purview of marvel uh, he's drawn some of the most beautiful characters and scenery that i've ever seen and i'm really excited for him to bring that into the dc universe uh, this book is also kind of building on top of not just Rebirth, but also Dark Knight's Metal. So we're looking at both the visions of Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder. And this book has a lot to live up to. And Joshua Williamson, I think, is just right for the job. He's the guy who has been helming the Flash series since the beginning of DC Rebirth. He also helped out with Tom King during the Flash and Batman crossover, The Button, and uh, more recently as well, The Price, dealing with the fallout of uh, Heroes in Crisis. And I'm just super excited about this. So this book is going to be building off of the uh, Batman Who Laughs, a twisted, dark version of Batman who basically became the Joker. And his whole... Uh, deal his plan is that he is infecting specific heroes in the dc universe to what end we don't know but it is gonna spell bad news for everybody but um in all the excitement of this book how excited i am to read it all the teases that we've gotten and just how earth shattering and universe shattering this book is probably going to be it got me thinking about some of the best stories involving DC's two heavy hitters, the biggest names, the biggest stories from these characters, and the stories where they team up, and the stories that really, I think, paint a picture of who they are at their core and how they react to each other. So I've got my top five stories. Um, the, this list is completely my opinion. I want to put out that disclaimer right away. Um, but I genuinely think these are the top five stories featuring team-ups between these two. Uh, these stories are covering 
all different kinds of media. We're talking comics, we're talking films, we're talking TV. Um, and you really have to go through all these different media platforms to really kind of get the scope of how these characters interact because everyone treats them differently. And I'm sure the new book is going to be no different. But these ones, I think, really get to the core of these characters. So with all that preamble out of the way, let's talk about the top five Batman Superman stories. And at number five, I have Date Night. Uh, this is uh, two issues, Batman number 36 and 37, written by Tom King with art by Clay Mann. This is, of course, a comic, and it features one of my favorite stories ever concerning these two. Um, this was right dead center in the middle of the uh, Batman Catwoman lead up to the wedding storyline. And the story starts off with basically this idea of, okay, so Batman and Catwoman are going to get married, right? Um, that means there's going to be a wedding. That means Bruce needs a best man. And of course, a lot of people thought immediately, well, his best man's got to be Dick Grayson, right? Not so. Um... And I think that's hilarious that Bruce would, of course, choose his best friend, the man who knows him maybe better than he knows himself, that being Clark Kent. But first, he has to break it to Clark that, hey, I'm getting married to a super criminal. So the first issue is really kind of getting that off the ground, the two of them like having this conversation, reacting to um, the news in their own way. So it's like, Lois and Clark talking about just the things that make them different, why he would look at things a certain way, while uh, Bruce would look at things a different way. Meanwhile, Batman and Catwoman are having this almost mirror conversation about how he's like, why would Superman care about this? Like, Superman's got an entire world to save. Like, he wouldn't... This isn't something that, you know, he thinks about. And so this is also a Superman who at this point in the comics is married to Lois and they have a son. So he's kind of been the been there, done that in the uh, realm of superhero marriage. So Batman also at different points during this story uh, kind of drops hints that he needs help, that he doesn't know exactly how to break this uh, news not just to Superman but to the rest of the members of the Bat family and the rest of the members of the superhero community so this is really not the kind of bombastic huge scope and scale stories that you would expect from a team up between these two but for me this is the purest form of them as characters this is two men two people two human beings, even though Clark is of course Kryptonian, he's one of, I think, the most human superheroes that we have. Uh, the two of them really coming as, together as friends and really trying to figure out the situation. There's also a nice little uh, double date that they go on where they uh, are going to this carnival. But the carnival is a, uh, the night that they go on is having a superhero masquerade. So everyone's like, uh, I don't know what to do here. But and I think this is just the best. So they decide, okay, Batman's going to wear the Superman costume. Superman's going to wear the Batman costume. And to keep his whole secret identity, he puts his Clark Kent glasses on top of the Bat cowl. And I think it's hilarious. Um, the uh, 
the women, by the way, just basically switch clothes. Catwoman uh, basically just wears Lois's outfit, and Lois wears the Catwoman outfit. And there's a funny uh, dressing room sequence where uh, Superman hangs the costume over the side to the next room where uh, Bruce is, and he's like, the S stands for hope. And then Batman, right after, hands his costume over, he's like, the bat stands for a bat. And just conversations like that, I think, are hilarious. Um, And you really get this idea that these guys are old friends, and they've been friends for a really long time. And as someone who um, has very close friends that I don't always get to uh, see or spend time with, I love interactions like this. Because you have to imagine, like, even though they're having, you know, pretty consistent team-ups with the Justice League and with the various crises and crossovers that happen in the DC Universe, they live in two separate cities, which are miles and miles and miles away from each other. So I don't think beyond that they get very many opportunities to just hang out and be friends. So I I love that, and I love the idea of that. I love the story that this... Uh, tells between these two friends who are getting together after a while and trying to catch each other up on where their lives are and how their um how their lives have changed over the course of their friendship so i really enjoyed that that's my number five number four is the battle of the superheroes episode of batman brave and the bold for those of you who are not aware batman brave and the bold was a cartoon in the mid to late 2000s which took kind of a campier approach. Not so campy in the way that the Adam West show was, but campy in the way that it could be self-referential. It could be fun. This was the one and only Batman cartoon where there's a straight musical episode, and it's one of, I think, the greatest Batman stories you've ever seen. Um, If you have the DC Universe app, I know, here I go, plugging DC Universe again. Sponsor me, please. I would love the money. Um... They have the entire show on that app and that streaming service. So go check it out and check out specifically this episode, Battle of the Superheroes. Uh, This was Superman's first big debut in the show. And I believe this was like season three. It was whatever the final season was of the show. Um, And it's the very first time because the creators and the producers really wanted to spotlight Batman teaming up with lesser known heroes. So throughout the first couple seasons you would see him teaming up with like Green Arrow, Shazam, uh, the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, like more obscure characters like that, Guy Gardner, uh, characters who you wouldn't immediately think would be standing with Batman, but it gave those characters an opportunity to shine for new um new fans and new viewers of the product. So I really enjoyed that, but this episode specifically brings the two characters together, and what I love about the show is exactly what I love about this episode, because the show takes from every single aspect of Batman throughout his entire history. Even some of the darker stories, like the episode Chill of the Night, deals with Batman finding out the name of the person who murdered his parents. And it is genuinely gripping this episode from this super campy fun show so i would definitely check that out check that episode out as well but this one also draws from the history of the characters because superman is just pure cheese golden and silver age superman who's just like there's even a moment that uh calls back to the original uh george reeves black and white cartoon uh where cartoon black and white uh live action show where superman comes to the aid of jimmy olsen who's quote-unquote dying he's faking his death to try and 
find out Superman's identity. And he's like, could you just tell me your real name? And Superman goes, all right, Jimmy, because I trust you. My real name is... And then he hears a crime going off. He's like, sorry, Jimmy, gotta go. Oh, and by the way, I ex I use my x-ray vision and you look like you're going to be fine. And he goes up, up, and away. And he jumps out the window just like the old school George Reeves Superman used to jump out the window for his flying sequences. And I love that. And so this episode deals with Superman getting infected by red kryptonite, which turns him into a complete, total, raging dickhead. And so you get iconic stories um, from the Golden and Silver Age homaged in this episode where he, you know, there's one scene where Lois comes upon him and this redheaded girl on the beach and he's like grilling for them and he's like, serves you right, Lois, for all those times you tried to trick me into marrying you. And that's legit a Golden or Silver Age comic cover. Like, it's amazing. And they also talk about... Uh, Jimmy and Superman's friendship drawing from original stories from the Silver Age, one where essentially Jimmy Olsen turns himself into Godzilla and Superman has to like fight him. It's just super campy fun and you get to see how these two characters balance each other out. Um, Batman is uncharacteristically if you have never watched the show before, like jovial and quippy, and he is able to help Superman uh, not just get cured, but also go after Luthor, who um, who is, of course, behind everything. And in one of the most ridiculous scenes, uh, both Batman and Superman show up uh, to arrest Luthor. Luthor shoots Batman and then unveils his kryptonite ring and even though it initially looks like Superman's being affected by it, he eventually stands up, yawns, and then breaks Luthor's hand. And Luthor's like, how did you do that? That isn't... This is kryptonite. And then Batman gets up and he reveals that he is Superman underneath the costume. So he pulls off the Batman mask and it's Superman. But then Superman pulls off his face and it's Batman underneath it, like cow with the ears and everything. And again, it's just the most ridiculous, dumb uh, Saturday morning cartoon take on the Batman-Superman friendship. But I absolutely love it. It's so fun. It touches on so much of the history between these two characters. Not just their shared history, but also the history of each character individually. And I think that it's really a celebration of their friendship. So I love this episode. Next up, we have... Batman and Superman, the world's finest, but not the one you're thinking of. If this is actually a comic, an old school comic, mind you, written by Carl Kessel with art by both Dave Taylor and Robert Campanella, this is a gem. If you can find this, this is an older, this is an older comic. This I'm looking at it right now. I've got it in my hands. This was a comic that is on the cover using the old school uh, DC star logo. If you don't know what that is, that's the circle DC is kind of on a tilt with uh, stars around it. It's really, really cool. And this, this is just, God, it's so good. So this comic base is, is basically um, a very, I would say underappreciated and underrated story because um, you don't hear about it a lot. When you think World's Finest, you think of something else. But for this, 
this is one of the few comics gems that I hadn't even read before I put together this list. And I found a copy, I fell in love with it, and it has quickly become one of my favorites. So this story, it's 10 issues, it's a 10 issue limited series. Uh, if you can find the trade, that's how I got it. But this story basically is about the Batman-Superman friendship. It starts from them meeting initially, and then each issue takes place a year later. So the first issue is year one, second issue is year two, and so on all the way up to year ten of their friendship. And you see throughout the story how their, not just their friendship changes, but how they change as uh, crime fighters. So the first issue deals with uh, Batman and Superman meeting for the very first time. They've never met before, and unfortunately, because they don't know how to work together, a dear friend is killed in the crossfire. And so they make a pact to meet every single year on the day that their friend died, and team up and that's going to be their yearly their annual team up and you would see this in the early comics like there'd be a big batman superman spectacular annual whatever and so i like that they played that into this but so the two of them meet up every year and each issue takes place a year after the previous issue with them meeting up on the day that their friend died and i don't want to spoil it for you because this is a really good book i was a little disappointed by the uh because there is of course a mystery and a twist near the end but the general uh story is incredible watching the two of them grow and change uh batman at the point that he meets superman is still basically an urban myth when it comes to Gotham and Superman is still kind of figuring his way out and you see throughout this story him become involved with Lois him get married to Lois um, Batman goes from a brooding loner to taking on a Robin to taking on another Robin to losing that Robin to creating the entire Bat family the issue I think it's issue seven uh, deals with the aftermath of Jason Todd's death and it is, I think, the single best issue in the entire story because you see a Batman who has, who is still reeling from the death of Jason Todd and Superman wasn't able to be there. And the two of them have it out with each other and it's such a great personal, emotional story. And I just, I think it's fantastic. If you can track this down, this is harder to find than a lot of uh, common Batman Superman stories, but if you can find it, it is absolutely worth your time to find and read. So that is my number three. My number two is Batman Superman Public Enemies. Uh, not the comic, the movie. I read the comic, because I watched the movie first, I read the comic. The comic's a bit of hard, bit of a harder read because there's a lot that goes on because it was still in canon at the time that it was going on. So there's a lot of uh, stuff going on at that time that you kind of have to know going in. And it also deals with like time travel and a future Superman. The film, the animated film, Public Enemies, pairs all of that down and really gives you the essentials. And it is just a great. Batman Superman story uh, they have their classic quips with each other they're voiced by their original uh, voice actors Kevin Conroy playing Batman and Tim Daly playing Superman and you can tell just how much they have worked with each other and how well they know each other there's a moment where um, they're trying to they're at they're in a graveyard and Batman tells Superman he's like do us or uh, do yourself a favor and lose your sense of humor. And Clark goes, 
do us both a favor and buy one. And it's just like little like stuff like that. Like you ever have friends where you can just like talk shit to like that. It's just those kind of moments that really sell that friendship between the two of them. And you can tell that they've been friends for a really long time. It's also a great story of what happens when the entire world is up against the two premier heroes in the DC universe. And I think that's a cool story. You get to see the two of them reacting to different rogues galleries as well as different heroes uh lex luthor is president in this story and you get to see how that affects it you get to see uh, amanda waller in there toy man actually has a pretty prominent uh position in this as well but he's not the toy man that you remember so it's just in general a great team up story like i said the film i think is a better story than the comic um if you want to track down the comic the dc universe app also has that but I would take the time, sit down, watch the animated film because it is a great, just solo uh, one-shot story that features two of the greatest characters in DC Comics. There's also a phenomenal scene uh, near the end where uh, Batman is presumed dead and Superman just reacts to that. And if you've ever wanted to see just how Superman would react to Batman's death and knowing who is responsible for it, uh, this is the thing to check out for sure. So that is number two. Number one, and I think a lot of people saw this coming, a lot of people, uh, when they heard best Batman Superman stories, they knew that this was going to be the number one pick. So, of course, number one is... Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. That's right. Bet you didn't think this was going to be an entire essay on how you're wrong. Zack Snyder is God and we demand the Zack Snyder cut. But here we are and in the next hour and a half I am going to tell you why if you do not like this film you are complete garbage. I can't even keep a straight face, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it is not Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Of course, number one best Batman Superman story of all time is, of course, World's Finest. Parts one through three from the animated TV show. This was the big team-up between the Batman of the Batman animated series and the Superman of his respective animated series. Why? Why would I, why would I pick anything else this is the quintessential batman superman team up you see them meet for the very first time you see them have to unite over a shared uh over a shared threat that being the eventual meeting and of course uh betrayals of the joker and lex luthor this just this story having all of them together you have kevin conroy as batman you have tim daly as superman you have clancy brown as lex luthor you have mark hamill as the joker all these characters are in a perfect storm of storytelling and i still think it is one of the greatest dc comic stories of all time period bar none across all of the media this is this was, for me, the very first time that I ever saw them team up. This was, of course, I grew up with both the Batman and Superman animated shows, um, but this was an event. I remember watching this as it came out in a three-hour... Uh, it wasn't a three hours, like an hour and a half, but like a three-episode uh, release 
And I remember watching this and just being blown away by seeing two of my heroes meeting and reacting to each other. Um, the two of them, just everything about it, from the two of them meeting in a nightclub, uh, Batman showing off kryptonite, Batman doing like a judo throw and like throwing Superman and the look on his face like, did this guy in a bat suit just throw me? Like, the two of them interacting, Batman bugging Superman and finding out his secret identity after Superman uses his x-ray vision to discover Batman's secret identity. The two of them kind of going over like this love triangle over Lois Lane. Uh, the Just the meeting of Lex Luthor and the Joker is incredible. It's iconic. And... Everything that goes into this story is so well-crafted and so just equally well-realized that this is the perfect story if you ever want to introduce someone to either of these characters. Yes, of course, you would want to have them watch the animated series going up into it so that you have some kind of knowledge of some of the more um, self-referential stuff, but... You can come into this blind, not knowing anything about these characters, and you will know everything that you need to know about these characters over the course of this three-part uh, animated feature. They did eventually, of course, cobble this together into an animated film, but it was originally released as three episodes of the new Batman Superman Adventures, and um, this is just, it's perfection. It really is. It is the perfect Batman Superman story. Um, there was never at any point compiling this list that anything even came close to what this story did for these characters you get all the iconic pieces you get lois lane you get alfred you get jimmy olsen you get everybody who matters with these characters all in one place and it opened the door for the uh dc animated universe to thrive this was really the flashpoint to make another uh, DC reference of everything that came following that, constructing a connected universe, constructing a Justice League, constructing these team-ups. Um, it's just fantastic. It really is. Uh, I can't talk, I can't tell you just how rewatchable it is as well, uh, getting into some of the... Uh, some other stories that involve superhero team-ups, you'll see certain things drag in the middle, you'll see uh, certain filler pieces of this. Throughout this entire story, there's no piece that isn't important. There's no piece of filler in this. It is absolutely exactly what it needs to be, ends exactly the way that it needs to, and really gives you the first chapter of a friendship that is going to grow and blossom through the years. So, to recap, uh, number five, I have Date Night, Batman number 36 and 37. At number four, we have Battle of the Superheroes episode from Batman Brave and the Bold. At number three, we have Batman and Superman, World's Finest by uh, Carl Kessel and uh, Dave Taylor and Robert Campanella on art, respectively. At number two, we have the uh, film, the animated film, Batman Superman Public Enemies. And at number one, we have World's Finest. Um, I would love to know what you think about these stories. Is my list way off? Should I have put Batman v Superman on here? Make your case. I would love to have that conversation. Uh, once again, any of the social medias at GeeksplainPod, uh, through email, geeksplain at gmail.com. Um, I just love these stories. These characters really are 
uh, the best representations when it comes to the DC Universe, and that's why they've uh, endured for so long. I love stories that involve either one of them, but the stories that feature both of them teaming up, showing the light and the darkness of the DC Universe coming together, really are the world's finest. And of course, that beautifully poppy bop that will be stuck in your head for the rest of this week means that it is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our podcast where I will review something weekly. And right now, we are almost halfway through The Boys. That's right. This is the uh, Amazon original series based on the comic book of the same name. And this week, we are reviewing episode three entitled Get Some. So... A lot happened in this episode. Uh, this was really a, I think, my favorite out of the three episodes so far, just because it pushed the story forward while also giving us a really good glimpse into the world building that they're doing with this show. And uh, the biggest, I guess, main contributor to this feeling into this episode as a whole is the race. Now, this is uh, some of my favorite stuff when it comes to uh, superheroes being placed in real world, world situations is how it would affect sports and any kind of athletic stuff that they uh, that we deal with on a day to day basis. They even had ESPN covering everything, which I thought was really cool. Um, so this is, of course, the big race that has kind of been alluded to in the past two episodes between A Train and Shockwave. Uh, A Train is defending his title as the fastest man alive, and Shockwave is the challenger. The uh, usurper to the crown almost and i love this i love the whole presentation of it kind of setting it up like a ufc fight um a train's got his like his entourage his training team going out he's got like the big headphones on that you always see ufc fighters coming out too so i just i really dug the presentation of it going over the stats how it was basically like this giant prize fight i just i really love the presentation of it it taking place at this Olympic-sized uh, track, and how I really, part of me wanted it to be like this huge drawn-out thing where everything's kind of in slow-mo and the two of them are racing each other, but I kind of love the fact that as soon as the gun bah, goes, it literally lasts for maybe a second, and they go around the track, and of course, A-Train wins. But it's not through his own means. It's not through him literally being the fastest man alive. It's from a, uh, a little boost that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But we also had the introduction of Mother's Milk, who is... That's not his real name, as, uh, as Huey finds out. Um, who is one of, I think, the best written characters in this show so far uh you didn't get a whole lot of him if i remember correctly from the comics just like looking into his life his uh, inner monologue but mother's milk is probably the most honorable of all the characters out of this he knows what he's about you are introduced to him and he's kind of like the uh, the warden at this uh juvenile detention center and you could tell him and billy have a history things went wrong they talk about this woman mallory 
which I'm sure we're going to find out. And then my favorite aspect of this is him basically, you know, Billy goes to him to recruit him and Mother's Milk is like, all right, fine, but I can't work with Frenchie. And Billy just goes, no, I haven't, I haven't heard from Frenchie in years. And then they all, all get together and just Mother's Milk goes after him. It's just so funny. Um, I'm sure that's going to come back up later, but the whole rivalry between Frenchie and MM is going to be really, really fun to watch for the rest of the season. Um, we also got building upon the uh, previous interactions between Starlight and Huey. Starlight went through a lot in this episode. Um, after all the issues with her getting her identity outed, out after she uh, defended a potential date rape victim on camera in her street clothes, uh, turns out that the victim came back or came out and uh, defended Starlight and thanked her. Huge PR boost for Vought and the Seven. Unfortunately, uh, this didn't get exactly the reaction that Starlight hoped for because Vought took this as an opportunity to rebrand Starlight and they're trying to get her into the skimpy outfit that she had in the comics and was forced to wear um and it's just you you can see just the light fading from her eyes with every single episode she's just getting more bitter and more jaded with every interaction that she has with Stellwell and with Vought as a whole but she does run into Huey, who's working, you know, their uh, their secret mission to get into Atrian's locker room on the way away from, like, an autograph signing, and you can tell that she's, like, really shaken up by it because she has this interaction with this young fan who's in cosplay, and it's really, like, it's sad uh, because she's basically being forced into this kind of slutty role, but uh, she has this interaction with Huey, and I love their chemistry. The chemistry between the two actors who are portraying these roles is so, so good. And um, they really have genuine... Uh, you can tell that they just have it when it comes together. Like, Huey and uh, Starlight are great in the scenes that they're in separately. But when they're together, you can really feel an energy between them. So that was really nice. I liked seeing that. Um, also, we got some uh, building in kind of a less romantic way between uh, Homelander and Maeve, who you find out uh, dated in the past. I really dug the, um, the stuff with Homelander this episode. He's been on fire. Anthony Stark, who plays Homelander, is just so, so good in this show. You see how he's kind of jealous of Stillwell's baby, and I, I don't know if I'm taking it like incorrectly on the jealousy thing or not, but like every, anytime that the baby's like just in the room, the way that he looks at him is just with such disdain and disgust. I love it. I absolutely love it. But um, you find out that Maeve and Homelander at one point did date, and they broke up for unknown reasons, but I love the interactions between them and i love the scenes that they share the first scene is basically them arriving on the scene from an active shooter in uh deep in the city and the two of them are just like walking through like talking shit about people and then when they get to the officers homelander just turns it on he's like you guys are the real heroes and i love that i love how he can just jump between being a real person and being this caricature of what a traditional like Superman analog would be. Uh, they go up and they subdue the shooter, but uh, Homelander gets a little too into it and he kills the guy. And then you see that this is something that they've done before because as soon as like they're heading out to leave, Homelander's like, hey, wait a second. 
you know he shot at us first and so he takes the gun and he shoots at Maeve and of course both of them are bulletproof and then you can tell that this is something that they've done before uh, like I said just because like how routine it is for them you can tell that they've whether accidentally or whether they just got fed up with it they killed their target and then had to cover it up by basically saying oh he attacked us first we were defending ourselves so i liked that aspect of it and then when the race came up both mave and homelander were making appearances along with black noir and uh, starlight for their autograph signings um homelander lands and it's one of my favorite things he's just like you know, let's have a race, let's cheer for A-Train, and he's waving, and then you just see under his breath, he's like, you fucking cocksuckers. And I just, I don't know, as as someone who's, uh, who has worked in the restaurant industry, and as someone who has um, worked in live theater, sometimes you just get that just irritability with the people who you are serving or who you're performing for and you're like waving and you're got a big grin on your face and you're just under your breath you're just talking just shredding them absolutely shredding them for how uh, how awful they can be and maybe that's not a good thing as a person but i really i really related to that uh you also got to see how homelander is kind of trying to like parry off this jealousy that he has with stillwell into like coming on to mave and she's just not having any of it so there's definitely a history there there's definitely some kind of issue between them uh they also were steadily pushing the whole uh supers into the military thing which i i'm interested to see how that uh gets fed into the story later on i really like that this is kind of the undertow this is the undercurrent going throughout the narrative um and i'm sure that it's gonna come to a head at some point in the season but uh we also got the reveal of what compound v is we got a hint of this uh in the first episode by the senator or the mayor that uh, homelander ends up killing but we finally find out that compound v is essentially a performance enhancing drug uh, compound v is something to essentially be a steroid for soups to up their uh, power sets and we find this out by uh, a train interacting with his girlfriend popclaw we got the uh, hint at her from the last episode and we find out that unlike in the comics where she's a current member of the teenage kicks uh, it seems like she's kind of out of the game and she's kind of parlayed that into an acting career whether it's, um, I don't know exactly what kind of films she's doing, uh, but she's parlayed into some kind of acting career, and she seems like she's kind of semi-retired, but her and A-Train are like a thing. Uh, they're dating, and uh, Popclaw seems to be kind of like his dealer, I guess, along with being his girlfriend. And um, they pull off this whole thing where... Uh, Huey and M.M. go into uh, Popclaw's apartment to put up surveillance cameras to try and catch them either talking about Compound V or using Compound V. And um, there's a scene where they're, they're able to talk to her and, they, and they're leaving where Huey bumps into A-Train. And A-Train just doesn't remember him at all. And that, 
oh, that got my blood boiling. And I'm just like Huey. And uh, you can see that it just didn't mean anything to him. What happened to Robin, that whole interaction just meant nothing to him because he doesn't recognize Huey at all. And that really, really just grinded my gears. But um, I also really liked how we finally got a confirmation that uh, A-Train was hopped up on Compound V when he ran through Robin. And that's what ended up happening. You hear Popclaw basically telling him, like, last time you were on this, it really messed you up and you ran through a girl. So I... I like that they're continuing to build on that inciting incident and kind of making it um, matter more than just being a, hey, it's just this, you know, inciting incident to get Huey into action. So I liked that. I also liked uh, how it kind of affected A-Train. You can tell that it just, like, it supercharges him, and I'm sure that's going to come into it farther down the line. And then we also saw Popclaw take some of the compound V as well, which basically uh upped her i don't want to say testosterone but upped her kind of like yeah let's friggin go it just got her all psyched and all um she you see her like going and lifting weights and just like popping her claws and just like punching the air shadow boxing and everything so i liked that and then you saw um this weird relationship she had with her landlord uh ending up with them kind of having kind of a tryst and her killing him accidentally and you find out after that that uh billy and mm are on the scene and they are going to definitely use this against pop claw because because of the surveillance footage uh popla accidentally killing her landlord is on tape and they're going to use that against not just popclaw not just a train but the seven as a whole so overall really dug this episode i loved how it pushed everybody's narratives forward i'm excited to see how uh Billy and the crew, the boys, I guess, are going to parlay this into furthering their agenda. And I'm really interested to see how this um, undercurrent of soups in the military and Homelander getting jealous of Stillwell's baby is going to uh, push the narrative forward for them. Um, I just, this show has been so good and everyone's been telling me how good it is. And I know that it's, I've been kind of taking the... um, the less traveled road on enjoying this show, but I'm really loving the show so far and I'm really looking forward to the next episode. So tune in next week, of course, for uh, episode four. But for now, let's jump into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is a segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up, whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comixology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should be definitely taking a look at. We'll be talking about each book's title, the creative team behind each book, as well as a brief synopsis of each book as well. And of course, each book synopsis will be accompanied by my synopsis voices if you have a synopsis voice you would like to request for me to try out feel free to do so at geeksplained pod on uh twitter or instagram or through email because i'm an old man i still read emails to geeksplained at gmail.com but before we get to this week let's talk about the last week with geeksplains pick of the week of last week and this pick I will say surprised the hell out of me because I thought for sure, I thought for sure that it was going to be the uh, Powers of Ten book 
of that week because Jonathan Hickman and his X-Men run has been really, really solid so far. Even if some of the uh, Powers of X stuff or Powers of 10 stuff I haven't been a huge fan of. Um, But a book came out that just surprised the hell out of me with how much I loved it. And that was Superior Spider-Man number 10. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Superior Spider-Man is the pick of the week of last week. And it all comes down to how well they crafted this issue. Um, This book deals with the aftermath of War of the Realms, where uh, Superior Spider-Man basically saved all of San Francisco again. And um, this issue also debut the next uh art going forward which is setting up uh auto as the protagonist against not just uh spider's man but also the uh spider-man who is a spider-man of another alternate earth where norman osborn is the spider-man of that universe um this issue, again, really surprised me. I wasn't expecting this. I knew uh, Osborne was going to be a major player going into this arc, but I did not know what this issue was going to entail. And essentially, Osborne used his influence to leak out that Superior Spider-Man is Otto Octavius. And so everyone knows who he is now. Everyone knows that this Superior Spider-Man used to be Doc Ock. And so his, uh, his public stock took a hit. Uh, but the reason that this book uh, took so much uh, attention from other books for me was this scene between him and a young boy. He saved this young boy, I want to say, back in epi- or, uh, issue four? Issue four or five. Um, and he's kind of been this kid's uh, hero who is like living at this orphanage and everything and uh, or in foster care. And this kid... Th- thought throughout this whole time that uh superior spider-man was the regular spider-man and um after he finds out that he uh he's not that he's actually Otto octavius the kid is so betrayed and Otto doesn't think to go to the press doesn't think to go to um the city of san francisco itself he goes straight to this kid's house because he knows that that's the biggest impact that it's going to have and this kid is so upset this kid is so just distraught and uh oh i'm getting tears thinking about it um he uh he asks superior spider-man why he lied to him and it's this beautiful oh my god it's this beautiful moment um, Superior Spider-Man had just told him that um, he's he's not he's gonna you know spare him. He knows he doesn't never wants to see him again, so he's gonna leave him alone. And he's basically gonna tell anyone um, who is in the foster care system because everyone knew. Oh, this kid's palling around with Superior Spider-Man. Um, no one wants to adopt him. And uh, uh, and um, the kid asks him as he's walking away, "Why did you lie to me?" And Superior Spider-Man looks back at him and he's like, I wanted you to like me. And oh my God, they're telling stories with Otto Octavius in this book that are, for me, starting to turn the tide and make this just as good, if not better, than the initial Superior Spider-Man run by uh, Dan Slott. And oh man, you can see the pain 
on his face, even though he's wearing a mask. Um, you could see how much this is hurting him. And so the kid just runs back to him. They have a hug, and it is the most wholesome scene in any book this week. Bar none. Fight me. I'll win. Um, but they're, it's chocked full of scenes like this, and then um, Max Modell reveals that uh, he, he has known this whole time, that uh, Elliot Tolliver has been Otto Octavius this whole time, but he is willing to give him a second chance and is willing to help him. So now it is going to be a full-on war between Otto Octavius and Norman Osborn, the way it was always meant to be, and I cannot wait. Pick this book up. If you haven't been checking out the Superior Spider-Man run, it is the most solid page-to-page uh, -page Spider-Man book that is going on right now, so definitely pick this up. But that's last week. Let's talk about this week, and this week, ladies and gentlemen, is huge. This is going to be a long edition of the uh, comics countdown for this week because we have not one, not three, not five. We have ten books to talk about this week. Ten books... And uh, most of them are from Marvel. Marvel is going just all in for this week. So let's jump right into it, starting off with Captain America number 13, uh, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates with art by Jason Masters. I'm going to let you know, first off, um, I'm a little worried about Jason Masters' art. His art has been really inconsistent. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I really enjoyed Andy Kubert's stuff that he was doing, and I'm kind of sad to see him go off this book um but we'll see we'll see what happens here um i'm really excited about this book just in general uh the last issue as i was saying the last time this popped up on the comics countdown really needed to grab me or i was gonna end up dropping it and it did it absolutely grabbed me it did exactly what i needed it to do so let's jump into the synopsis here the Legend of Steve begins. On the run from the law and pursued by a dogged Nick Fury, Steve Rogers and the Daughters of Liberty begin to take the fight back to the power elite and their insidious minions. First up, it's a trip to the border and the White Tiger to uncover the secrets behind the group known only as them. So I have no idea what that's going <laughs> to entail. But uh, spoilers for the last issue, they also revealed that the... Um, kind of person running the Daughters of Liberty is in fact Peggy Carter. So we are gearing up for a reunion between Steve and Peggy down the line, and I am here for it. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1010. That's 1010, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, written by Pete J. Tomasi with art by uh, Christian Ducey. Ducey, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your name, and I'm sorry. Um, but this is uh, part two of the Batman vs. Deadshot storyline. Super excited about this. I talked to you last time this book popped up that I love Batman Deadshot stories, so let's jump into the synopsis here. In part two of Take Your Shot, Batman confronts Deadshot only to learn he's come to Gotham City to enlist the skills of the world's greatest detective. Can the two of them work together? Or will their opposing ideologies get the best of them? So, unlike most Batman Deadshot stories, this is going to be a team-up story instead of a versus story. I'm excited about it. I love Deadshot as a character, and this is going to be really, really good. Next up, we have Avengers number 23, written by Jason Aaron with art by Stefano Caselli. I'm so happy for Stefano Caselli, guys. Uh, I loved his art in West Coast Avengers, and him, having him on the main Avengers book is just... Ah, oh, warms my heart. But this is the next part of the Challenge of the Ghost Riders, and things are about to get very extreme. So let's jump into the synopsis here. 
Avengers Mountain, possessed, as the challenge of the Ghost Riders continues. It's Ghost Rider vs. Ghost Rider, in a wild race through hell, while the Avengers have to fight for their lives against their own celestial headquarters, which is now possessed by a rather shocking, rather murderous, hell-damned soul. So, um, yeah, they're gonna have to fight their own giant celestial, so the book kind of started off in Avengers uh, by Jason Aaron's fighting a celestial so they are going to have to fight him again so i'm excited uh definitely pick this up for sure next up we have thor number 16 written by jason aaron with mike del mundo i want to say this is um the penultimate issue of the jason aaron thor run if not the final issue we'll find out when we read this issue um before he jumps into the king thor book which i believe is next month or in october one of those um but this has been so good if you haven't been picking up the aaron del mundo thor run um it's fantastic it really is especially if you've been liking the stuff that he's been doing in um that thor's been doing in the mcu this is a great book for you so let's jump into the synopsis here. All new world for the God of Thunder. Thor has disappeared. That's all we can say without spoiling the epic, mid-god-shadowing conclusion of War of the Realms. But trust us, you don't want to miss this issue, which is the kickoff of Jason Aaron's final Thor story. So yeah, this is like heading into Jason Aaron's endgame for the character. He's been writing him for a long time and has been just consistently putting out solid work with the character. I just recently picked up the final two trades for his Mighty Thor run, and I'm so excited about King Thor. So definitely pick this up. Next up, we have Absolute Carnage number two of four, written by Donny Cates with art by Ryan Stegman. I was so surprised at how good Absolute Carnage number one was. I know that's shocking because uh, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman have been doing just such an incredible job with Venom since they picked up the book, but I was really just ecstatic with how good that book was. It's such an easy read. It was so theatrical, like this could easily be an animated or feature film. But it was really, really good. So let's jump into the synopsis here. After the terrifying conclusion of Absolute Carnage number one, a new player is on the board, and it's not who you'd expect. Barely able to escape with their lives, Spider-Man and Venom have no choice but to drag a slew of other heroes into Carnage's crosshairs. Worse yet, Carnage's rampage through New York City claims an unexpected piece of collateral damage, and there's nothing Venom or anyone can do to stop it. So yeah, uh, super good stuff. I love, love, love Donny Cates' voice for Spider-Man. He should be jumping on the um, on the main Spider-Man book when uh, Nick Spencer's run is all said and done. I would love that. Um, just super good work. If you like crossovers, especially between uh, Spider-Man and Venom, and we need good news for Spider-Man right now, um, definitely pick this up. Next up, we have House of X, number three of six, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Pepe Larraz. We are back in the modern day. Uh, last issue was uh, Powers of Ten, number three, or four. I want to say three. Um, 
and that kind of wrapped up the future storyline, which I was really happy about. Uh, so now we're back in the modern day. Uh, I love this cover, looking really, really good, and we're going to see what's going on with our Merry Mutants in the present day. So let's jump into the synopsis here. Learn the truth about one of X-Men's oldest allies, and then begin the fight for the future of mutant kind. Superstar writer Jonathan Hickman continues reshaping the X-Men's world with Marvel young gun artist Pepe Larraz. I'm going to say it, I love the art in House of X more than I do in uh, Powers of Ten. Uh, Pepe Larraz just really catches the eye with this book while R.B. Silva's stuff, while really good, I'm not saying his art is bad at all, but I just prefer Pepe Larraz's stuff. Um, and maybe that has to do with him uh, drawing the present day stuff while R.B. Silva has been mostly drawing the uh, future stuff. But either way, really excited to continue this narrative and continue the Jonathan Hickman X-Men run. And next up, this is a big one. This is Marvel Comics number 1000. With too many creative teams to count, this is going to be a huge, huge book. So let's jump into the synopsis here. The greatest talent ever assembled for one story. This is the big one. In celebration of Marvel's 80th anniversary, we have gathered together the greatest array of talent ever to be assembled between the covers of a single comic book. Names from the past, names from the present, and even the future. Every page is filled with all new work from this cavalcade of comic book luminaries. There is a mystery that threads throughout the Marvel Universe, one that has its origins in Marvel Comics number 1, and which unites a disparate array of heroes and villains throughout the decades. What is the Eternity Mask, and who is responsible for the conspiracy to keep it hidden? And what new player will make their startling debut as these secrets are peeled away, featuring the entirety of the Marvel Universe of characters? So yeah, this is big. This is basically their Action Comics 1000, their De or Detective Comics 1000. Um, Marvel is celebrating its 80th anniversary this year, so makes sense this is going to be a huge book if you pick up one marvel book this week it should be house of x number three but also marvel comics 1000 next up we have batman curse of the white knight number two of eight written and illustrated by sean gordon murphy uh this is part two of the story that is kind of the sequel to the original Batman White Knight story, which I loved. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they're going with this story, but I really enjoyed uh, Curse of the White Knight number one, and I'm hoping that this issue grabs me in the same way that the White Knight, the original White Knight issues did. So let's jump into the synopsis here. The Joker's plan is in full swing, and with a single devastating secret and his puppet strings controlling the elites, the Clown Prince and his new recruit Azrael are ready to eliminate Batman and obliterate the Wayne family's legacy. With Gotham City's identity and institutions hanging in the balance, Gordon makes a surprising public announcement, but the Joker's response will send the Bat family and the GTO spiraling. So yeah, I'm interested to see where this book goes. I really want it to be as good as the initial White Knight, so here's hoping. Next up, we have Spider-Man Life Story, number six of six, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Mark Bagley. This is it. This is the finale. This is uh, bringing us right up to the modern day with this story. I have loved 
every single issue of this book. If you have not been picking up this book, especially if you're a Spider-Man fan, you've been doing yourself a disservice. So let's jump into the synopsis here. The real-time life story of Spider-Man concludes. The year is 2019, and the 72-year-old web-slinger is about to embark on his final adventure. Will the end of Spider-Man's life story mean the end of his life? So, this is it. This is the big uh, finale heading into the modern day. Um, I don't know genuinely where this is going to go. This is uh, this is really exciting. The book has been so, so good. If you haven't yet, pick up the previous five issues. This is a, just an instant classic Spider-Man story. But the big book for me this week, and the inspiration behind this episode, of course, is Batman Superman number one, written by Joshua Williamson with art by David Marquez. I'm just, I'm so excited about this book, guys and gals. Um, I love Batman Superman stories, as you have heard in this episode, and this is going to be so, so good. This is tying into the end of the Batman Who Laughs book. This is tying into the Year of the Villain. This is tying into the new Secret Six. Um, this is just going to be incredible. And all of the solicitations, all the previews that we've gotten, uh, have basically communicated to me that this is going to be a story for the ages. Plus, you have David Marquez finally joining the DC Universe, drawing some of the most beautiful DC characters. Really, really excited about this, so let's jump into the synopsis here. Up in the sky, in the dark of the night, trust no one, for the secret six walk among us. Spinning out of the devastating events of the Batman Who Laughs, Superman and Batman are together once more in an all-new monthly series, and they're facing a terrifying new threat that could strike from anywhere. The Dark Knight and the Man of Steel must journey into the depths of Gotham City to learn which of their fellow heroes has been transformed into the horrifying horsemen of their most dangerous and deranged foe ever. Our heroes will need to fight to survive, but an even more dangerous question lurks in the shadows. Can Superman and Batman even trust each other? This is going to be so good. I'm really excited. You have Batman, Superman versus the Batman who laughs with kind of a detective story trying to figure out who's been corrupted. This is going to be so good. This is going to be so good. I'm so excited about this. Um, and this is kind of, for me, the big DC book of the week. So to recap... All 10 books we have. We have Captain America number 13, Detective Comics number 1010, Avengers number 23, Thor number 16, Absolute Carnage number 2 of 4, House of X number 3 of 6, Marvel Comics 1000, Batman Curse of the White Knight number 2 of 8, Spider-Man Life Story number 6 of 6, and finally Batman Superman number 1. That was a long one, folks. This is probably the biggest comics countdown we have ever done on the podcast so thank you for sticking f with me for this so many good books so little time but let's be honest we're all going to make time to check out these books at least definitely pick up batman superman marvel 1000 house of x number three of six i mean really all of these but absolutely those books as well as spider-man life story number six of six so let me know if i missed any books i 
find that hard to believe, but if I did, let me know. Um, I love discovering new comics. I love turning people on to other new comics, and hopefully along with the main story of this week, I've been able to do that for you. So tune in next week for more comics. (sighs) It's hopefully going to be a little bit of a... uh, more relaxed week than this week, but I can't complain about an overabundance of good comics to read, and I am so, so excited for Batman Superman number one. And that is it for this week's episode. Let me know everything that you think about everything that we talked about. We talked about a lot. We had a lot of news, and we had a lot of comics to pick up this week. Uh, Let me know if you're going to be picking up any of the comics. How much money are you dropping on comics this week? (laughs) I would love to know, because I I even posted up on Twitter. I was like, I have to, because I work in a restaurant as well. I was like, I have to make money this weekend so I can just have money to spend on the comics this week. We have a lot We have a lot, but I'm really excited. Uh, Let me know what you thought about my list, the best Batman Superman stories. Uh, Are you familiar with these stories? Have you read them? Have you watched them? Uh, Are you going to if you haven't? Would love to know. Uh, Also, feel free to make your case on why Batman v Superman deserves to be on the list or not. Uh, Would love to have that conversation with you. We can do that on Instagram or Twitter to at GeeksplainedPod, that's at GeeksplainedPod, or through email, because of course I'm an old man and I still read emails, to Geeksplained at gmail.com. I am also looking into getting the Geeksplain mailbag going, so uh, feel free to send any questions, whether they be for me, for the podcast, uh, if you have a question on something you'd like to know in comics if you've always ever had a question that you think I might be able to answer if you have a personal question for me if you have a question about what I think about things if you have a question about my opinion on something uh, feel free to email those to geeksplained at gmail.com and make sure you let me know uh, your name and where you're from so I can give you a shout out with that mailbag we're hoping to start that off next week I'll be posting up something of course to uh, signify and let everyone know that it is the window is open for the Geeksplained mailbag and I hope to read some of your stuff next week feel free to do that of course um and let me know if you are excited for all the D23 stuff. I would love to get your opinion on this. Are you excited for Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight? Are you excited for Black Panther 2? Are you excited for The Mandalorian? Are you excited... I mean, everyone's excited about the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan show. There's, there's not a single person alive who isn't excited about that. So that's obvious, but... I would love to know your opinions, Um, and yeah, really excited. We're going to be, let's see here, next week is going to be officially September, so we are closing out August, uh, a month that has been chock full of some of my favorite episodes from the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for the feedback from the last two episodes, both the very uh, personal episode, Captain America and Me, from two weeks ago is my birthday episode, as well as last week's episode, which was our Geeksplain spotlight on Batman The Long Halloween with guest Andrew Kincaid. Uh, I've been getting a lot of really good feedback on that, and I want to say thank you. I also want to say thank you to everyone who has been uh, listening all around the world. I'm looking at our stats right now. This is kind of becoming like a semi-regular thing. So I'm looking at the top... Let's look at cities this time, because I I do the countries sometimes. But right now, we've got... 
Uh, let's see here. We've got listeners in Huntington Park of California, Long Beach. Lots of California listeners. California represent. Appreciate that. But we also have listeners from Manchester in the UK. We have listeners from Monte Carmelo in Brazil. Hello. Thank you for listening. We have listeners from Mumbai, India, Cape Town, South, Af- South Africa, uh, Bacau, Romania. And if I said that wrong, I am... So, so sorry. But also from Dublin, Ireland, and Seoul, uh, Korea. That's crazy to me. So thank you to all of our international listeners. And of course, thank you to our domestic listeners as well. Hope to bring you more content as the uh, year goes by. We're officially heading into the fall. We've got a lot of stuff that's coming out. Rise of Skywalker. Uh, We've got Joker coming out, so lots of stuff we're going to cover, lots of stuff um, that I am excited to share with you guys, so make sure, you guys and gals, of course, and uh, make sure you tune in next week for more of that. But for now, for Geeksplain, this is Eric Gazana. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.